Hello, and welcome to the Teaching Culture Cast, the home for community and culture for teachers. I'm Matthew Bliss, and I'll be your host for this season and the very first episode of the Teaching Culture Cast. If you've been following along with the, the advertisements over the last few months, then you'll know it has been in the planning stages for a while, but we're finally ready to kick it off. And we're going to start in our first episode talking to a teacher. But first, I thought I'd give you a bit of an idea of what this uh, podcast is meant to be for, a little bit of background about me, and um, a little bit of an idea of how the planning stages for this podcast are going to go. Now, you're probably thinking first off, how can all these teachers talk about their roles without fear of reprisal or being approached by their school leaders? The approach we're taking with this podcast is that we're approaching it anonymously. So when you listen to the teachers that are talking on this podcast, we'll refer them by first name only and try not to talk too much about the uh, specifics of their personal information or the backgrounds of their schools. Uh, As you all would know, if you are in the teaching profession, we do have to preserve some of the data there and some of the privacy. And there are going to be people out there who don't want to share some of that information. So if you've been curious to uh, contribute, to the podcast at all, just know that you don't have to share any of your personal information when doing so. Now, when we're building the community around this podcast, it's going to be at the urging that if you do recognize the person who's talking, that perhaps it's not going to be the best idea to call them out in, say, the Instagram that we do have going at Teaching Culturecast, uh, or on the Reddit r slash Australian Teachers, which is where we'll primarily be Uh, working through a lot of the stuff that has to do with the community for this podcast. So if you do recognize anyone, um, just send them a quiet message saying, hey, that was a great podcast. But if you don't, we really don't want to dox people here. So uh, keeping privacy concerns at front of mind has been a big consideration when we're putting the podcast together. Now, in terms of building uh, an environment and a culture and a community, we're trying to focus on some main aspects for each season of the podcast. So this season, being season one, we're going to be tackling the very beginning of any teacher's journey. Pre-service teaching. Someone who might be uh, looking to become a teacher would register for their studies. They'll enlist with a tertiary institution and then start their practice teaching alongside the theory that they'd get with their studies as well. So a lot of the subject matter we'll be talking about this season will be focused around pre-service teaching, pre-service teachers, and the things that they should be doing or the things that teachers can do to help make their experience a little bit more fruitful, beneficial, and focus on that reciprocal attitude where you're supporting each other. It's not just about uh, getting this thing ticked off and out the way. Now, in saying that, it doesn't mean that this season is only for pre-service teachers. If you are a potential supervising teacher, if you're active in the teaching community, if you're a parent, if you're currently a student at a school thinking about pursuing teaching, then the subject matter covered in this podcast is going to be incredibly beneficial to you. Plus, we try to keep it quite casual. It's not an interview-based style kind of podcast. It's more conversational. We're really drawing on anecdotal material, trying to delve into the into the cracks, into the gaps that we don't usually hear about in teaching and that isn't advertised more widely in conferences and more official professional development circumstances. 
So if you're just looking for a conversation with a teacher and find out a little bit more about the profession, or if you're looking to broaden your circle a little bit and start thinking about things a little bit differently, then this will also suit you. In saying that pre-service teaching is going to be the first one that we tackle here, doesn't mean there's going to be that there won't be opportunities for more content in later seasons. It's just we're trying to keep this podcast quite narrow and focused on a single subject, just to see what you all think. Now, on the broader scope of things, this is the first episode of the first season of the Teaching Culture Cast, and I really need to hear from you guys if you are interested in listening to more. So we're going to release episodes every fortnight. That's one episode every two weeks. We're going to aim for releasing on a Sunday. That's a Sunday for Australian teachers. Uh, If you're in another country, then welcome. You're going to hear more about the Australian way of doing things. But um, we're going to aim for a Sunday so that you can have a listen to the stuff before the beginning of the week. But more importantly, check out our Instagram, said it already, at Teaching Culture Cast. We've also got an email teachingculturecast at gmail.com. And if you can leave ratings on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use, leave us reviews, even give me feedback through the Australian Teachers subreddit, where we'll be posting some of this material as well. It would be great to hear what you think. If you think there are going to be people who would be interested in this subject matter, definitely share it with them. Send it around on the socials as you like. Uh, If you know there are people in the teaching community that would be interested, post it in the staff room, maybe send it out in the staff email. However you want to get this around is perfectly fine, but only if you feel there's value. And I really want to hear if you think there's some improvements that we can make to the podcast. Now, I did promise I'd tell you a little bit about me before we got started with our first CultureCast episode. Just to give you an idea, my parents were both teachers when I grew up, so I've always been around a teaching background. The most important part for me has been that uh, I don't necessarily pursue teaching just because they did. Um, And I did resist it for a very long time. I tracked down um, courses that I could do in IT. I've got my bachelor's in business information systems and philosophy. But invariably, I ended up doing IT support at a secondary school. And I did it across a number of schools. But this particular one I was at for about seven or eight years. And I learned so much in that time, not just how to fix computers in a school environment, but also being exposed to pedagogical opportunities, STEM or STEAM, as it was released in schools. And the more I did my classroom support with regards to technology, the more I was exposed to the learning elements, how it all fits into the curriculum process, the development of learning content, not just with technology, but other subjects. And invariably, I ended up doing my master's of teaching in Melbourne. Now, having completed that, I didn't end up getting a teaching job, but I have been established a very strong community of teachers around me. I talk to them on a regular basis still, and some of those connections you might hear about on the podcast as well. So that's a very brief background into uh, what I actually do. You will hear more about my background in both technology and teaching as we proceed through the podcast, because I try to interview them from my lens as well. Hopefully, some of that teaching knowledge that I've picked up throughout both my practice, my very large amount of experience supporting technology in the classroom, and all these uh, important conversations that I've had with teachers over my time in education will be beneficial. Now, with all that out the way, we're going to jump into our first CultureCast episode 
uh, with teacher Anna, who has been teaching for a very long time. But more importantly for this episode, she has spent a long time managing and organizing supervisors for pre-service teachers in her current school. So obviously there's a lot of experience coming there through the management of pre-service teachers, but there's a lot of advice that she talks about and a lot of wisdom for pre-service teachers themselves. So if you are currently studying teaching, this episode is gonna be a really good one to listen to with a lot of great advice. She is just generally full of wisdom. She would call herself a journeyman with uh, a lot of uh, modesty with her approach, but she's been in the, in the teaching industry for a very long time, has a lot of experience across a wide number of domains, and uh, just generally she's great to chat to. So hope you enjoy the episode. As I said, like, subscribe, find it on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you connect with us, review, send your feedback through. And if you're interested in contributing to the Teaching Culture Cast, teachingculturecast at gmail.com. And we can start having a chat about getting a podcast recorded together. All right, that's all from me. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I do really appreciate you taking the time to to join us on what is the inaugural episode of the Teaching Culture Cast. Really excited to get you on because uh, you've had a lot of experience in teaching for a very long time. And we used to work together as well at a school while I was doing IT support. And uh, having seen you teach for as long as I have, uh, you were one of the first people I thought of to bring onto this podcast so that we can have a quick chat about everything that happens in teaching in the community and the culture within the gaps. Now, while we were working at the school together and potentially still now, you may need to correct me on that, you've worked quite closely with pre-service teachers, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. And I'm still currently the pre-service teacher coordinator at, at my school. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so for any pre-service teachers that might be listening, could you give us a bit of an idea of what that process is like uh, perhaps from your end, when you start receiving the lists of students who uh, you can pick from or that get thrust upon you, however that works, and, yes. yeah. and all in the lead up to practice teachers? Um, I will say that I'm inundated with emails, often desperate emails from uh, the placement offices at a range of uh, universities seeking placement for their um, pre-service teachers. Uh, I understand that's a really difficult situation for universities and for students because we've all, in order to be a teacher, we have to have a number of days of teaching practice in schools. So it's mandatory to, to be placed in order to get your, um, your degree, to get your qualification. Mm. So when I get um, the emails, I firstly look at um, what the teaching areas are and then see whether or not we have teachers who are willing and able to be mentors in those teaching areas. Okay. So that first priority, yeah. And just to get an idea, do you find that it's more the teachers come forward before you have the list of students or is it more the other way around? Oh, it's more the other way. It's more um, the tap on the shoulder. But I, or because I've been doing this job for well, over 10 years now, I know who to approach and who not to approach. Ah, I guess that's part of the thing as well, being in <laughs> yes, the school as yeah. long as you have. It um, really helps to know the right people. That's right, because um, a lot of teachers are really generous people mm. and um, really want to give back 
to students. And even I, I mean, I've had student teachers and I like having them because it enables me to learn from them, to find out what the latest methodologies are and the latest learnings at teaching because it's been a long time since I trained to be a teacher, <laughs> but I'm always wanting to keep up to date with the, the latest ideas about how to best uh, deliver a curriculum and engage with students. Excellent. And um, yeah. in terms of the teachers that arrive, do you find that they tend to be quite uh, quite green around the edges and pretty fresh? Or- uh, yeah. It depends on whether it's their first placement or not. Okay. If it's their first placement and it's been a while since they've been at school themselves, they can be, they're quite um, nervous. But the, the job of the press service teacher coordinator is to allay those fears immediately, make them feel welcome, set them up with um, certainly letting them know that they are welcome and know that they're coming and that meet them at the front office and maybe take them on a tour and talk to them and have their first day organised for them so that they know what they're doing so they're not feeling like they're coming and not feeling like they actually are wanted to be at the school. So I think Mm. an important role of the pre-service teacher coordinator is to ensure that the first day of the pre-service teacher is a day where they actually feel that they're welcomed and that they are not in position to the school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can tell you from my experience, I mean, the first experience I had um, trying to approach someone who manages the uh, the pre-service teachers in, in the school that we worked in at the time, uh, I was missing a practice at that point. So, <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. only offer practice uh, students certain things by connecting with those universities. But I know myself when I did my my masters of teaching secondary, there is that anxiety that you always get just before entering a brand new space. And I'm sure any pre-service teachers listening as well will understand that feeling. So if uh, you had to tell them in maybe one or two sentences, uh, you probably summarized it well already, but in one or two sentences, something that you could tell them uh, to allay those fears and make them feel a little bit more confident when they jump into their first practice, what would those sentences be? Um, I think I always say to them, time passes. Um, and that three thirty always comes, so it can um, be quite can be quite daunting. Mm. But um, you're at you're in a school, and schools are caring places, and teachers are caring people, and um, you're actually you will be looked after. Yeah. So um, and we understand because we've all been there. That's it, and that's that's an important thing to remember as well, isn't it? That uh, we've all experienced that at some point. So we can all commiserate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I am curious about, though, is your experience with the um, tertiary institutions that connect the practice students with you. Uh, I know yeah. during our time that uh, I had the pleasure of working with you, there was only one university that you worked directly with. That's right. Sounds like maybe you get a few more now. Yes. Yeah. We uh, we were originally. Um, a base school for the University of Melbourne's Graduate School of Education. Mm-hmm. But that system finished, well, I think, at the end of 2018. And so we were no longer beholden just to take University of Melbourne students. Mm-hmm. So that really freed us up to take students from a range of universities. And so we, um, it, it's really based on the availability of mentor teachers. I try very hard not to have a mentor teacher have more than one pre-service teacher to mentor a year because mm. you don't want to 
burn uh, teachers out also for students in, in the class, not to maybe it be disadvantaged too much from um, having too much exposure to pre-service teachers. Not the pre-service teachers are a disadvantage, but sometimes they're not as confident in the classroom as they can. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's, a, there's a fine balance between what the school, the capacity of the school to take on student teachers, pre-service teachers, and that demand from the universities to place every uh, student who's, who's in a uh, pre-service course, because there are, there, are, there are hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of students who need to be placed every year mm. in hundreds of schools. Yeah, it's yeah. very much a, a fish market on that in that sense, isn't it? There's so many. Oh, oh, it, oh, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and I do hear of students that miss out on their placements, which is, of course, I'm, is yeah, the worst and it, thing. And it can be even more difficult where in Melbourne the schools are, mm. because students might be living in in a city and they don't have public transport. Then the schools that they can be assigned to are limited. So, if pre-service teachers are willing to go to the country, even if they were happy to cross the city and come from east to the west or the west to the east, maybe, yeah, being willing to actually go a little further than their own neck of the woods, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Okay. So let's say that we're going through the life cycle now. We've got our pre-service uh -huh. teachers list. Yes. We've approached them. They've arrived. Uh, what's the induction like when they first arrive? What kind of stuff do you tell them about? The school. What, yes, well, I suppose each school's induction will be different, and because I do have a bit of time allowance, I, I can uh, able to arrange time to actually have some time that I can perhaps take the students on the tour, um, get them set up on the system at their help desk, make sure that they're aware of the occupation health and safety procedures. Students who come to our school are even lucky enough to get a little um, show bag or material from the school so again it depends on what's um and the resources available at the school mm -hmm. um getting sort of certainly have to check their working with children check they can't really get past the, the door without that absolutely yeah um and i suppose to yeah. just things like the dress code background of the sort of the um, demographics of the students that come to the school often parking's an issue yeah. Um, depending on where the school is. It's always one of the big ones. Public transport just, just have an access. The school um, expected hours on site or you know, expected time to be at school and then um, not one can leave, mm. all sorts of things. An exhaustive list, I think. And yes. if I do say so myself, I think uh, our school was one of the ones that got it right. I think so too. There are a lot of experiences you hear that are a bit different. And that certainly allays any fears that students have. If that first day is a day that I think, Oh, I'm, I feel welcome. They know I'm here. They're planned for me. Um, I know what's expected of me. I know what I'm going to do. Then, then, then it, it's a good start. Mm. And I think a good start really just where I can just take a big, you know, a big sigh of relief. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. A big question that comes up though, I think quite often, probably more so than the the pre-service teachers themselves anticipate, because I'm not sure how soon they think about this, but uh, the technology side of things is a little bit different these days, probably even more so than when I, I finished my Masters of Teaching. What kind of technology advice do you give the students? Is there anything that you, you tell them about before they come in that they should be bringing themselves? Uh, I think there has to be, well, with online teaching, and the first students are aware of that now, having to be on the other side of it, mm. I think you just have to 
embrace technology, says I of many decades teaching. You're way too modest, I think. <laughs> uh, well, no, well, no, no, I think, I, I think we forget that we're actually experts in learning and that we need to be willing at times to actually be vulnerable to not knowing things and then embrace trying to find out how to do things. So technology is constantly changing and I think we just have to have a, an attitude like that, growth mindset attitude really of just give it a go. No, it's going to die from, you know, a breakdown in technology or, yep. you know, so just give it a go. It's incredibly insightful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, what kind of technology do you tell the pre-service teachers to bring to either remote teaching or just general practice? Yeah, well, I think that, well, they're just they're laptops. I think, well, depending on what the school is using, our school uses Google and the Google suite, mm -hmm. both just um, – well, I think there's hardly anyone in, in this day and age of anyone would would be unfamiliar with how to use yeah. um, technology, and it's um, and there are so many. Um, you just have to go on YouTube to find out how to use anything. So it's not like you're having to fly blind on how to find out how to use the system. And there's well, our school we have a help desk, so the help desk people as well. You know, Matt mm -hmm. <laughs> um, are very helpful and willing to you know help people understand how the system works. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to clarify that point just a tiny bit, yeah. the fact is with a lot of these platforms like Google, you don't have to install anything. Uh, it's not no. about dropping your laptop off with the IT guys for half a day and then picking it up later when it's got all the things that you need. Most of it is just create an account and away you go. That, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and what about inside the classroom itself? Uh, if the students need to, sorry, I should say pre-service teachers need to present to the students. <laughs> um, if they need to project using the technology, uh, say using Google Slides to show slides to the students in, in the classroom, yeah. uh, are there provisions in the classrooms for pre-service teachers there as well? Yes, because uh, well, at our school, they, once they come, they're actually set up on the system and they are treated like staff. So they have the same access to the online services that um, in-service teachers have. Mm. But you guys have projectors in all the classrooms. Yeah, projectors. There's yeah, um, we connectors. Have, we don't, it's all wireless now. We can even, which is a wonderful thing that wow. you can actually project your screen from the back of the room and that you're not stuck there at the front of the room. You can just move your laptop to wherever you want to be, particularly that you need to be beside children who are not what, doing what they should be doing, mm. uh, that you can just move yourself around the room and uh, yeah, so it does free you up. You're not stuck at the front of the room. That is an upgrade compared to when I was working there last, I think. That's definitely an upgrade. Uh, I know you were kind of cable tied to the back of the room and couldn't yeah, move the no, laptop around no, at all. No, you can move around. Yeah, we're free to roam. That's excellent. Yeah. And would you say that that's the standard experience across most schools? Uh, probably well-resourced schools. I don't know if that's the same as schools that aren't so well-resourced. Because we're a school where the students have their laptops, so not not every school is as well resourced as we are. Okay. The students in it, maybe, yeah, staff perhaps are have access to to technology, but not necessarily all the students are. Okay. We could talk. I could talk about technology all day, so I'm going to <laughs> move on from it just in case move we on. tarry yeah. for too long. <laughs> so, uh, let's say that the teacher is has uh, sorry, the pre-service teacher has continued their practice. They're doing their four weeks, getting the job done with their mentor teacher. 
Uh, how many times would you say that there's a check-in with the mentor teacher or is there oh, catch-up yeah. times that you have to yeah. evaluate with, this, with the pre-service teachers as they do their experience? Yeah, um, I don't really have that hands-on um, check-in as I did when we were at base school at Melbourne University. Okay. Most, really, the um, universities get involved in checking in on the pre-service teachers only when there's a problem. It's really the mentor teachers and the um, pre-service teachers working together. But, um, yeah, so the universities don't really get involved unless there's an issue. Okay. So if a pre-service teacher is doing well and they don't hear from their university, they shouldn't be worried. That everything's fine. Okay. Yes. That's probably an important thing for some to know as well. Although, yeah, although, yeah, although Melbourne University, they do have um, a clinic specialist who does come and observe them, mm. but the other universities, I haven't had them coming to observe student te- pre-service teachers at the school. Mm. Well, yeah. that might say something about your school as well. <laughs> oh, oh, no, or maybe about just the availability of staff at the universities. Yeah, yeah maybe that too. That yeah. can be a subject for another time, perhaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, excellent. And now, uh, as the pre-service teacher is uh, approaching the end of their experience, what kind of resources do you make available to them to run away with? I know you said that there's a goodie bag they get when they first um, arrive. Yes. Is there like an offering of, uh, you know, tap yourself into all of our humanities resources, if you like, and grab what you need or anything like that? I love that. They do have access to the curriculum resources that their mental teacher would have mm-hmm. so that they would have those access to those. I don't think they, they don't have, you know, um, they're not a shop where they can just grab everything they want, but yeah. they can, uh, their, their mental teacher will avail them of any resources that the mental teacher themselves is, has access to. Okay. Yeah. And I know some universities are a little bit different on this front, but uh, often the ATSL standards need to be met in certain stages of your practice. Yeah. And I mean, I know you said it's a bit of a light touch at the moment, but in terms of your experience with practice and mentor teachers in the last few years, has um, the feedback and the kind of evidence that the pre-service teachers pick up been sufficient to fulfil those standards or has there been a few issues? Yeah, yeah. because well, there are reports that the mentor teacher has to complete for the pre-service teacher all based on all those aspects of the um, graduate level at the ATSO standards. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. any pre-service teacher rolling in should expect that they can meet whatever expectations they can. They should. Any pre-service teacher rolling in really needs to be aware of the expectations of the university for their placement. Mm. It's extraordinarily frustrating when we ask that if a pre-service teacher comes in and seems not to have a clue about what the expectations are of them on placement. It's not our responsibility to know what they should be doing. Mm. It's their responsibility to know what they should be doing. Yeah. How many hours they should be teaching, you know, how many hours of observation and all those requirements. They should, they should know those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so probably a good piece of advice for anyone listening who maybe isn't as prepared as they should be would be to approach placement coordinators, make sure they're approaching the right teachers for their subject units about the advice for what they should actually be doing. Yes, and, and read the placement manual. I mean, I think well, they all have them, so all the university had them, they should be aware of them. There you go, audience. Make sure you're staying on top of things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared. And it's next to me in the classroom, always prepared. <laughs> That's it, always thinking ahead.
All right. So after our pre-service teachers have left their practice, having received their successful, uh, well, actually, that's that's an important point too that I, I should ask you about yes. actually. The mentor teachers, when the pre-service teacher arrives at the end of their practice in the school, yes. it's just a, a pass or a fail uh, as a feedback for the subject. Is that right? It might depend again on the institution. There might be a mark allocated, but generally I've found that most uh, placements will have a, an interim report halfway through the placement and that if there's issues, then if there are red flags raised, then that's um, an opportunity then for the pre-service teacher to be um, perhaps contacted by the university and have some extra support to get them satisfactory standard by the end of their placement. So it's that report that they get interim and then at the end that polishes off that feedback. And interim and end, yes, with an opportunity to, to pass. That's it. And that's like an extra yeah. little piece of information that you can take away as a pre-service teacher for yourself as a way to reflect yes. on your teaching as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because I will, um, I'll admit now that I did fail one of my own pre-service teacher placements. Oh. So back in the day, so um, and and I'm here teaching now. So it's you know not being su successful can actually spur you on to realise that if this is really what you want to do, if this is your passion, you have to step up and, and do what's expected of you. That's it. And just like we tell the students. Yeah, failure is not a failure to succeed. It's a learning opportunity, isn't it? Absolutely a learning opportunity. What, what is it that you need to focus on to improve? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Um, so have you had many pre-service teachers come back to you after their practice to um, like approach the school for maybe some additional work or casual teaching after they graduate? Do you find many of them float back? Well, some do, and we have employed uh, some ex pre-service teachers to fill positions. So it's because they're a known quantity um, and also they've shown themselves as you know, pre-service teachers of being the sort of quality of teacher that the school wanted. So it's kind of like a job interview, isn't it? It is a bit like very much <laughs> both ways, you know, yeah. you know is, it, is the school for you and are you for the school? Mm. Yeah. Now, the magical, you know, dream scenario that any pre-service teacher has is for them to reach the end of their practice they get a handshake, they get their completed feedback form, and then they get a job offer. So yeah. would you say that's happened many times in your school? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not for the number of um, pre-service teachers that have passed through our doors. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So probably a pipe dream, maybe set our expectations a bit lower. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or um, yeah, it, it, it not always the case. I mean, it's not unheard of, but mm. and I think we've had hundreds, hundreds of students come through the school and we've had maybe a handful that have found employment. Okay. Yeah. But you can only employ so many, can't you? That's right. And I think that there are some schools that um, that will see their the placement of pre-service teachers as a, an opportunity to like an interview process, actually, to see whether or not they would employ them later on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I actually... Um, to share a little bit about my experience as well, I did find, um, well, I should say, if the audience isn't aware already, that my primary subject was digital technologies, which at the time of my, my master's of teaching was in very high demand. And what I found at the end of most of my practices was that my mentor teachers would colloquially just say, 
look, if the principal turns around and offers you a job, I wouldn't be surprised. But obviously that didn't happen for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes you can kind of get your hopes up, but as long as you're being reasonable with yourself and, yeah. you know, not setting your expectations too high, then that should be all right. Yeah. But in saying that, the biggest outcome and and the primary reason for me bringing about this podcast, in fact, is that you are building out your network and you're building out your teaching community. And uh, whether you think so or not, establishing a reputation for yourself as well when that happens, because we're all connected. Yeah. One yeah. of the uh, main things that happens when you meet with a teacher uh, out in the wild, I guess, is you talk about all of the teachers that you share, have a shared acquaintance with, and then obviously all the gripes and goss that you want to share as part of the <laughs> part of the network. Um, so I guess another good piece of advice for any pre-service teachers listening would be to make sure that you're purporting yourself in those positions. Uh, just because you're jilted by not getting a job doesn't mean that you can't establish those relationships that could eventually lead to one maybe further down yeah, the track. that's right, yes. All right, so that's a complete pre-service teacher practice time. Uh, we have talked about a few things to avoid, but are there any really big pain points that uh, maybe all pre-service teachers seem to miss that you would advise them mm. uh, to take heed of or perhaps some mistakes that many would make uh, that um, could be easily. I think not to take any criticism that the mentor teacher gives of their teaching practice as a personal insult, mm. I think is a important thing. It's um, not to take constructive criticism as a personal insult. I think that's probably mm. one thing to take into account. Uh, one has to, as a teacher, have very thick skin because you're dealing with adolescents and, um, you know, if you're going to be worried about what people think of you, um, then I think teaching mightn't be uh, for you because you uh, can't have a thin yeah. skin. Um, no, especially not these days. No, no. And not to take it personally at all. Yeah. What else would I say? And I'd say um, not to be, uh, not to, when you're on placement, see everything as an opportunity. Mm. Give it a go because, you know, uh, really, what's the worst thing can, that can happen? You know, nothing really is the worst thing. You might be embarrassed or things might might be successful, but I've been teaching for decades now and I still had flop classes. So it's not something that only happens to pre-service teachers. So mm. give something a go. I think just be willing to have it be challenged by the work that you're doing and be willing just to perhaps stretch yourself. Uh, I think that's um Suggest. Yeah, it's yeah. from my experience, the number of uh, pre-service teachers I shared my practice with and the amount of them that just kind of hung back and didn't do a whole lot or just yep. stuck to their own teaching subjects and didn't go out to observe any other ones. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. go yeah. and observe. Amazing what you can find. There'll be a nugget that you're of learning from everything that you see and just have a go. I think that's mm. – and really – is an opportunity to try out the things that you've been learning at university. See if you can see, does the theory actually work in practice? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But even the things that you don't learn in uni, like uh, I don't think there's a subject unit in any tertiary institution that covers excursions <laughs> <laughs> or camp. Yes. Or even um, empathy or um, kindness. 
Those sorts of things, yeah. you know. Yeah. You can only practice those social skills socially. <laughs> yes. yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. And thank you very much for talking to us. Just to round out, we have talked about some of the things already that you'll probably want to include here, but what are some words of wisdom that you'd pass on, not just to pre-service teachers, but to the teaching community in general about um, your experiences in teaching so far, or maybe what you've learned after having uh, accomplished remote learning for as long as we have mm. during the, the pandemic? Yeah. What's the, the biggest tip that you give anybody else listening? Uh, I, well, I went because I, I went looking for something because this is really what I, I believe is um, you have to, children, students, people don't really remember so much about what, what you taught them or how you taught them, but they just remember how you treated them. And I think we need to, kindness is often forgotten. And I think we just need to be kind, certainly to our students, kind to ourselves as well. Give, you know, cut ourselves some slack. Um, and I think just be kind, be considerate and be empathetic. They'd be my, um, my words. And that every child in front of you in the classroom has their own story. Sometimes being in the classroom is either a godsend for them or it can be purgatory for them. So what we have to do, I think, is just take into consideration that there are people in front of us and we should treat them with respect. That is brilliant advice. Perfect one uh, to round out the first episode of the Teaching Culture Cast. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining me for this episode. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again down the track. All right. All right. Thank you, Matt. It, it's been a pleasure to speak to you too. Thanks, Anna. That was the first episode of Teaching Culture Cast. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure that if you did like it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating. Uh, make sure you tell your friends about it. If you're interested in contributing to the Culture Cast, send us a message at teachingculturecast at gmail.com or just keep up with us on the Instagram at teachingculturecast for news and any other interesting tidbits of information that might come out. We'll join you again in two weeks where we speak to Sandra about lesson plans, the kind of things that stick with you after you complete your pre-service teaching and jump into the teaching profession, and some really interesting and sometimes funny anecdotes about her teaching experience. Look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you in the next one.